word. So earlier this week, if uh, you noticed that maybe on our Facebook uh, page, we gave a little shout out to our community. Congratulations to our community uh, for a new, uh, there's a new elementary school ribbon cutting in, in Cold Springs. Actually a few schools being built in our district uh, lately, and so that's a, a neat thing uh, for our district. And a few of us were there to celebrate uh, that day in our community. A few of our members, our teachers there, are on staff there. I don't think we, we don't, I know we don't, we don't have any students who are there. As soon as I couldn't come up here today and inter have them come up and, and interview and say, hey, are you excited about school? Uh, but just sitting there in that crowd uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, maybe 200 kids or 200 people, there's maybe 50, 60 future students of that school. And they were excited. The fact that they were there six days before they had to be there at school kind of tells you how excited they were. And I heard not once, not twice, but at least three times, I heard a, a little first, second, or third grader kind of tugging on their dad's arm or mom's arm, say, hey, can I go see my room? Uh, but it wasn't just the kids. It wasn't just the kids who were excited. As I walked out after doing the tour, I was following an elderly couple and, and the missus said to the mister, wow, that was awesome. I wish I could go back to elementary school. Really? Would you want to go back to elementary school? I mean, there's a part of me that resoundingly says yes, right? Give me my Dukes of Hazard lunchbox and my Trapper Keeper and my and three Reese's of the day. Yeah, I want to go back to elementary school. But... There's also a reason why our society doesn't stop education at fifth grade level. Uh, there's a reason why we move beyond elementary school into middle school and high school. You ever think about that? Spiritually speaking, about moving beyond elementary teachings. I mean, there is something simplistically beautiful about the elementary, what you might call the elementary teachings, the, the beginning teachings of the Bible. Some of those stories that you see in a children's book, for example, you know, to hear about how God made the world and Adam and Eve and creation, or to hear about Noah's Ark, or to hear about Jonah and the big fish, or to hear about Daniel in the lion's den, or to hear about Jesus' birth and baptism and and, and death and, and resurrection. All beautiful, simplistic, that, that have some, some, some beautifully simplistic truths that are very comforting. And likewise, the creeds, which are summary statements of the Bible, are, are just wonderful, simple statements. Yeah, I believe in God the Father, the one who made heaven and earth. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, the one who, who was conceived and born and suffered and, and was crucified and died and rose again and so on and so forth. Yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life and so on and so forth. Simplistic, beautiful truths. And, and in the end, it, it is only those simple elementary teachings that really make the eternal difference. Right? You know Jesus as your Savior. One day you get to know heaven as your home. At the same time, God tells us today, I don't want you to just stay at the elementary teachings. Not that they aren't important, they are. They are absolutely important. 
absolutely beautiful. They are eternal life-changing. But he says, and encourages, you know, I, I want you to also move beyond the elementary teaching. Not to burden you, like, oh man, now I got middle school homework, or now I got high school size homework. But he wants to bless you. He wants to give you more than, than just something that, I mean, the, the secondary teachings, you might say, the middle school teachings of the Bible, they don't make a difference as far as heaven or hell. So it's not blessing you more in heaven, but it's blessing you more on earth. It, it, it's, it's leading you to, to realize and to celebrate just how awesome our God is. And so he, he encourages us today to move beyond the elementary teachings, not to burden us, but to bless us. That's what he's speaking in these words to the, what we're going to look at in a letter to the Hebrews. Uh, the letter to the Hebrews is a rather unique section of God's word. So it's towards the end of the Bible. And it's uh, uh, something unique about the letter to the Hebrews. It's We don't know who the author is. Uh, we know basically every other author, but the author to the Hebrews never identifies himself. So that's something somewhat interesting about the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, it's also uh, something interesting about the letter to the Hebrews, which sets it apart from much of the other New Testament letters, is that these people had a good basis. They, they had a knowledge of the Old Testament. Most of the people in the New Testament did. They were people like Romans and Galatians and Corinthians who didn't grow up with this. But the Hebrews, the Hebrew is another name for a Jew. So they had all the Old Testament promises. They knew about a coming Savior, about the coming Messiah. They knew about, oh, they, they knew, they observed all the Old Testament laws and all the Old Testament ceremonies that God had set up, which found their fulfillment in Jesus. They knew about some of the roles that God had set up among his people, about prophets and about priests and all that type of thing. So it's really not a stretch. When the, the writer to the, the Hebrews starts to use some illustrations based on what he thought should be their knowledge base. Then he says, you know what? You guys know about all these prophets and priests. Let me tell you about this Jesus guy. He is the greatest priest. He is the greatest high priest. And then he goes on to say in, in some verses right before what we're going to look at, he says, you know what? He's even the priest in the order of Melchizedek. And isn't that awesome? And then he like pauses. He's like, oh, you guys probably don't know what I'm talking about. It's kind of what he, he says to the Hebrews. You shouldn't know what you're talking about. He says, oh, it's too bad. Because I got this great illustration for you that's really going to bring the point home. But it's going to be over your heads. So I can't talk about it. Too bad for you. You're going to miss out on that little illustration. It, it kind of reminds me, when I was studying this, it reminded me of something that happened to uh, uh, Mary and me after we had shortly, right after we had shortly arrived, we, we went to some, we were invited to some orchestra uh, gathering and um, appreciated the music, all right? Uh, it featured uh, Elizabeth Pitcairn, I think is her name, in the red violin, all right? This is for you, Brooke, all right? Um, awesome music, appreciated the music. Then she did a little monologue. And she said something about switching from this major key to that minor key. And everybody in the crowd laughed. <laughs> and Mary and I kind of looked at each other. Um, I don't get it, right? Uh, we missed out. 
We missed out on a blessing that day because our knowledge was here at elementary music level instead of here. And so we, we missed out on the, the blessing of a good laugh. Well, in some ways, that's what the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging them. That's what God says. I don't, I don't want you to keep on missing out on, on some blessings that I have in store for you if you move beyond the elementary teachings. And, and so that's what he's getting in here. Now that's the, the, that's the point of this section when he says, therefore, let us move beyond uh, the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Again, it's important to note here what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, forego the elementary teachings. The teachings about Jesus living and dying and rising again for you are important. We need those. And, and the way the writer to the Hebrews goes on to say, it's, it's, like, it's like drinking milk, you know? Uh, that when you're a, an infant, you know, you're, that's all you're maybe going to handle. That's all you can digest. But he also goes on to say, I don't want you to just drink milk all day when God's got a whole buffet of blessings for you. You know, God's got this big juicy steak for you, but you can't enjoy it until it, yeah. And so he, he, that's what he's getting at here. He's saying, let us move beyond the elementary about Christ to be taken forward to maturity. I've got so much more in store for you. Now, why do these people need that encouragement? You know, this goes back to one of the, you'll get sick of me saying this, anytime you see the therefore, you have to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? The writer to the Hebrews is not upset that they aren't at this secondary level necessarily, or that they only have the elementary teachings. There is some beauty about the elementary teachings. What he's upset is that they aren't progressing. What he's upset about is that they aren't even trying to progress. So let me back up here a little bit. Why? Therefore, let us move beyond the element. Why do we have to? Why does? Why do they need that encouragement? He says, because it's hard to make it clear to you, because you no longer even try to understand. I wanted to tell you all these wonderful things about Jesus, but you're not even trying. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. And that, you know, I, I think there's something for us to really take to heart there as a young congregation. I'm not saying this is happening or has happened, but it's something I'm cognizant of, and I think it's something that we need to pray about, is that it's so easy when you're only three years old as a congregation to say, well, we're going to continue to be three years old. Or we're going to let our spiritual maturity match our chronological age. And say, okay, I'm content with only the basics. Not that there's anything wrong with the basics. Again, we need the basics before you go on, but is that what we want to just stay at? Well, we're just young. We're content with that. There's a danger there. Now, spiritual maturity can never be measured by chronological age. You know, just because you're maybe new to the faith 
doesn't mean you're necessarily more spiritual, immature than someone else. Likewise, if you're on the other end of the spectrum, you say, oh, I've been a Christian for 75 years, it doesn't necessarily mean you're more spiritually mature uh, than someone else. It's kind of like someone saying, oh, yeah, I've got 20 years of experience at work. Do you? Or did you have one year of experience that you've only repeated 20 times? You know, there is, I, I've seen that, right? Where you, you never progress. And what the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging us to do here is, is to progress in our spiritual maturity. Uh, that we continue to build on our experiences, build on our knowledge. Now, now, likewise, just like spiritual maturity cannot be gauged by our chronological maturity, it's not how long you've been a Christian or how short you've been a Christian, same thing, it, it, you can't measure your spiritual maturity by your academic maturity. So if someone comes into my office after church today and says, oh, pastor, i got to tell you something. Do you know what I did this week? I learned all the Sedes Doctrinae passages about objective justification. When I say, whoa, you're spiritually mature. No, I said, whoa, you learned some big fancy words, even in Latin. Good for you. All right? Or, whoa, okay, you can memorize some passages. Yay. That doesn't mean you're spiritually mature. Just because you can academically do something. Uh, you know, what is God concerned about? God, first and foremost, is concerned. He's concerned about heart knowledge more than he is about head knowledge. Uh, the, uh, and so the person with the biggest heart here may not be the Christian the longest. The person with the biggest heart here may not be the person who's, who can recite the most things or who's, who's the best academic. I, you know, you even think about how often in Scripture God compliments and says, strive to be like a child. You know, he holds up childlike faith. What he's warning against here is childish faith. There's a difference. Childlike faith trusts wholeheartedly. Childish faith, that's the immature where I, I am content with never progressing, or with not even trying to understand more and more what God is saying and appreciating my life. And, and, and that's the encouragement uh, that the writer is giving to us here. And we say, why? Why is this so important? Why is it worth it to become a student of the word, to become a learner of the word, you know, can't I just be content with saying, Jesus loves me, this I know? For heaven, yeah. But again, God wants to bless you more right here on earth. Maybe to drive that illustration home, uh, I'm gonna introduce, let me introduce you to uh, Brooke and her younger sister, Carly. Who's who? That's Brooke. where she didn't mature at, a, at the normal rate, quote-unquote normal rate. It's kind of like, if you've ever seen the movie Benjamin Button, it's similar to that. 
except Benjamin Button aged in reverse. She, she didn't age in reverse. She still aged, but at about a one-fifth or one-sixth the pace. And so when she was 20, she was cognitively and physically at about the three to four age level. Now, even though she didn't mature, did her parents still love her? Absolutely. Even though she didn't mature, did her parents still take care of her? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, they were pretty defensive of her. I, I love uh, reading up about her, her dad whenever a, a specialist would reach out to them and say, hey, I can fix your daughter. He'd also, he'd also retort back, oh yeah, well she's not broken, right? But that didn't mean, even though they loved her and took care of her, that didn't mean they buried their head in the sand about her condition. They did go and visit doctor after doctor and hospital after hospital, not to fix her, but to help her. Yes, she was, she had, she was enjoying life, but they wanted her to be, have a life that was even better. They wanted what was best for their little girl. Your heavenly father wants not just you to have enjoy life, not just to enjoy spiritual life. He wants you to have even a better life. He wants, to have, wants you to have what's best for your life. If you don't mature spiritually, is he still going to love you? Absolutely. If you don't mature spiritually, is he still going to care for you? Absolutely. But he always wants more. Not to burden you, but to bless you. Yes, he wants you to know Jesus loves me, this I know. But what he's saying here is, I want you to even know how much Jesus loves you, this I know. Or he wants you to know that, that yes, uh, you know, Jesus loves me, but he wants you to, in scripture, he says, I want you to know how wide his love is for you, or how high his love is for you, or how long his love is for you, or how deep his love is for you. Yes, he wants you to know that you're forgiven, but he wants you to treasure the depth of that and what it means to live as a guilt-free child of God. And so he encourages us here today to continue to grow just for your benefit, for what's better for you. The way he, he puts it here, he says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, you see, you're not acquainted with the teaching about, for example, about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Again, God says, yeah, baby formula is great. But look at, look at this steak. I want you to have the steak sometime, too. Or look at this shrimp. I want you to have that. Or that lobster. You'll survive on, you'll survive on baby formula, but there's a whole plate of blessings there. Solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That encouragement that God wants us to continue to be in the Word as a group, that's what that little pamphlet is, but also individually. That we continue to grow in the Word. And that can be daunting. And so maybe we ask the question, well, how? How do I go about that? Well, we again look at, at these words. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teaching about Christ and be taken forward.
to a journey. You know what I love about that passage? The passing. Be taken poorly. There's a promise in that. It's saying it's not up to me to build my spiritual muscles or to build my spiritual maturity. I don't, I'm not the one that has to convert that, that ribeye of righteousness or that, that tri-tip of truth or that filet of faith into spiritual you know, maturity. But the Holy Spirit does that. We get taken forward. That same Holy Spirit who carried along the human writers of this book now takes these words and carries us along. All the way to maturity. All the way more and more just trusting and, and leaning on God's promises. Until one day, he carries us all the way to the doorstep of heaven. And we sit there like a little first grader. And we say, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. Can I go to my room? Can I see my room now? And Jesus will say, sure. I, I, I prepare a place just for you. And we get there and we say, wow, I never want to leave. 